can turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 8. We're continuing our series on the book of Acts. We're doing it chapter by chapter. And the section of chapter 8 that we're going to deal with uh, is the Philippian, uh, Philip and the Ethiopian uh, eunuch, beginning with verse 26 to the end of the chapter. Acts 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He'd come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more. And went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, bless us and open our eyes to see Christ, to see his mission, to see our glorious occupation as those who belong to Jesus Christ. Oh, bless us, Lord. We are weak, but you are strong. Amen. A little background. This man was the treasurer, secretary of treasure in the Ethiopian kingdom. This kingdom is more where you think of Sudan now rather than Ethiopia. It was regarded by the Greeks and Romans as the end of the earth. It was, regard, it was called that many times, it's like as far south as they knew. So this would communicate to everyone, wow, the gospel already has reached the ends of the earth. At least it's approaching or it, this is maybe a sign of where it is going to go. Candace is a a name, a title like Pharaoh or Caesar. Uh, it's not her true name. And the queen was the one who administrated the kingdom. The king was separate, holy. He couldn't have anything to do with anybody. He was kind of in his own spiritual world, 
because of their religion because he was close to God or like God. But Candace ad, uh, administrated the, the kingdom, and this guy was a top official handling the money. Very wealthy himself, a powerful figure. And somewhere along the way, begun to worship Yahweh, the God of the Jews, our God. Um, now, he was not admitted to full Jewish membership because he was a eunuch. And you could read in Deuteronomy 23 that people with such uh, injuries or self-made uh, were not admitted into the people of God in the same way. And that seems hard to us, but it's part of the communication that in the future Jesus Christ would be the only perfect one who could enter the presence of God. And so it represents, it seems harsh, but if you see it in its overall picture, it's a picture of the perfection that's required to enter into the presence of God. And the glorious truth that we'll see here is that this one who had been omitted from the people of God, though he could be a worshiper and he could kind of look uh, on the edges of the people of God, would be brought in not just to the earthly temple, but to the holy place itself in the very presence of God. So through Christ, all of us, and it's a symbol for all of us because none of us should be in the presence of God right, because of our sin, but all of us can enter into the holy presence of God because of what Christ accomplishes. So that's why this uh, title, Full Admission, to anyone who believes. Here's this man at the end of the earth, a eunuch who's brought into the kingdom and into the presence of God through Christ. That's the glorious message here. So we look at it under these uh, <clears throat> points uh, first of all, we, we see that God, uh, the Lord, is always on the move. The Lord is always on the move. It, it, not that Philip himself thought of this. It's that the angel says to Philip, right? So here's the Lord. I've got a guy I want you to go find and meet. And he sends him down south. And then, you know, Philip's looking and here's this chariot. It's got four wheels likely and... There's enough room for several people to be in it. It's going along slowly. This guy's reading, and, you know, he doesn't know, really know how to approach. And he says, hey, you go up and, uh, you know, approach the chariot. Check it out. You know, he's like, keeps him moving. No, don't, don't just stand here. You get, mow it. you get going. So all of this to move to get him to uh, the Ethiopian uh, eunuch. And then you see that the eunuch himself in God's providence, is reading what we would say is the richest portion that speaks of Jesus and his death in the whole Old Testament. Like, he's in the gold mine, so to speak, right? Uh, but he needs someone to explain it. So all of this has been orchestrated by God. God is on the move. He is working in this world to draw people to himself. And as we uh, continue in Acts, we'll see that... Uh, in Acts 19, that Paul is in uh, Corinth and he's being persecuted and God comes to him in a vision and says, hey, you need to stay here because I have many people here. Not that there were many believers there yet, but it was a way of saying, I want you to stay here because I'm going to gather some people from this place. There's God on the move. 
acting always. He, in, in, uh, later in chapter 16, Paul is going across Turkey. He's trying to head north. The Spirit points him west, and he then gets this vision to go over to north Greece. And he gets there, and he's by a river, and this lady, Lydia, comes down to the river to pray. And it says, the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. Well, over here in Turkey, God had Lydia in mind, and then the Philippian jailer in mind. A jailer that's just doing his thing, and God came to him uh, in this way. So God, the Lord, is always on the move. The Lord is making himself known in this world. It says that the word of God continued to increase in Acts 6. That is finishing in a section about Jerusalem. And then when it moves out to Judea and Samaria, it ends with this in chapter 12. The word of God increased and multiplied. And then in the last section where he's going to the whole of the Roman Empire, we read in chapter 19, the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevailed mightily. That's all because the Lord is on the move. The Lord is drawing people after himself. Even Paul said in, uh, toward the end of his ministry in, in 2 Timothy 2, he said, I labor, I suffer so that I might make known the gospel and that the elect might hear and come to salvation. He said, that's what makes me tick. Because God has chosen a people, and I'm going to go out. I don't know who they are, but God's going to gather them. He's on the move. And of course it would be. John 6, Jesus says, all that the Father gives me shall come to me. That's a sovereign statement. There's no chance of that not happening, right? They're going to come to me. And then in John 10, he says, I have many sheep that are of this that are not of this foe. In, in, in other words, here are my people, but I've got many sheep that are not of my foe. I must go to them and gather them as well. The Lord is always about that work, on the move. And we can be a part of that. We must be a part of that. This is where Christ is going. We must be going with him and be the joyful part of participating in what God is doing on the earth. This is just a little snapshot of what the Lord is always doing in the earth to draw people to himself. And we can get in the way of that. We can be a part of that. Well, it, then the, the call and the second point, if God is always on the move, then we must give ourselves up to his will to be a part of this, to obey him in this. Just like Philip, <clears throat> you know, when God said, rise and go toward the south to the road, and, you know, Philip could have been, Lord, that, that's a desert place. I mean, I'm, I'm among all these people here. I, I don't need to be going where there's nobody even around I me. Mean, why would you tell me to do that? In fact, that's a long journey. I just don't know if I, you know, there were no excuses. He didn't even know where he was going. He didn't know what was going to happen. He just knew the Lord said, rise and go. And then same thing with the chariot. He probably was a little, you know, intimidated. Of, How do I talk to this guy? What do I do? What, you know, you just go up and start. 
So we all face tremendous fears. We, 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 we face uh, repeated uncomfortable situations, perhaps in uh, meeting neighbors and then inviting neighbors uh, to, to come over and, and have a meal with us and meeting people in all of our circumstances. And then as God gives us opportunity to open our lives up to them and, and to even share Christ as God uh, gives us that opportunity. But it's his will that we are submitting ourselves to. We've, we've prayed, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you think of the angel's joy of making Christ known to even the shepherds and their, their obedience to God in proclaiming. And we are to be just as eager to make him known in this world. And I'll leave you with a passage in Romans 6. Think of this passage in terms of obeying Jesus when he tells us, go into all the world and make disciples. Don't let sin, Paul says in Romans 6, reign in your mortal body that you would obey its passions. We think of that as many other things, usually, sins and passions. But what about our desires that don't want to put ourselves out there and and make ourselves vulnerable to what could happen if we make Christ known. And if we do that, we're letting sin reign in our bodies. We're letting sin reign. And he says, don't present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. And if we refuse to be a part of what Christ has called us to be, then we're saying, no, I'm not going to submit myself to you. I'm going to submit myself to sin. And stand against you in this. But he says, present yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life. And the members to God as instruments of righteousness. So here we are. We've been made alive. We've been brought out of death. And we're living because of the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. And now we can be instruments of righteousness in this world. To make Christ known through our lives, through our words. Uh, to be these instruments to shine the glory of God to others. That's our great privilege, our dignity, our glory that we have that God has given us. So as God is on the move, we give ourselves up to his will and ask him to do that work in us, ask him to make us eager. It's interesting the way Peter talks about it, 1 Peter 2 He says, we have been brought out of death into light to proclaim his excellencies. Just to proclaim the beauties of Jesus in this world. Which brings us to the third point. God is on the move. We give ourselves up to his will to be a part of it. And what is the message that we have? And here, Philip has this golden opportunity, doesn't he? Because this man is meditating struggling with Isaiah 53, uh, arguably the richest place that speaks of the death of Christ in the Old Testament. And it says he starts here, and then he goes from there and shows Christ in all the Old Testament. Reminds me of Luke 24, where Jesus opens the minds of the disciples, and he teaches them everything about himself from all the places in the Old Testament. So, the, the Old Testament is rich with Christ, 
but we couldn't see it so well until Christ came and it shines back into it. Uh, the illustration I use with this is imagine a huge room with stalagmites and stalactites, whichever one goes which way, and, uh, and you can see some of the light and some of the beauty of these great uh, structures, but then this little hole is open wide to become this vast opening and all the light shines in and you just you're, it takes your breath away. The rainbow of colors, the, the blues and reds and yellows and green, every color just sparkling out as the sun shines and it changes all during the day as the sunlight changes. And that's what's happened now. The light is shown into the Old Testament and we see that it was always about Christ. As our children's book says, every story whispers his name. So this is the story of the whole Bible. And then it focuses particularly in Christ himself and what he accomplished on the cross. So Paul can summarize it when he talks about preaching the gospel in 1 Corinthians 1. He calls that then the cross of Christ. That is the proclamation of the cross of Christ. That's the preaching of the gospel. He even calls it the word of the cross. That's the essence of it. Or he says a few verses later, this is what I spoke among you, Christ and him crucified. That was my message. Of course, ranging all around, yes, talking about our being created by God and and our break from God and sin and all the, but here was the heart of it, Christ and him crucified. So we're preaching who he was, that this was God himself who came and humbled himself to die in our place. He revealed to us the true nature of God, that God is this amazing God of unimaginable love who would give himself away in the person of Christ. He himself came to do this for us. That's who God is. And that's a, that's a happy thing to get to say to someone. This, this is who I think God is. We pin medals on people that sacrifice for others. We honor people that lay down their lives. That's who God is. We learned it in Christ Jesus. So you see, this is a way to, in Peter's words, proclaim his excellencies. Proclaim the beauty of him who gave himself like this. And later in Corinthians, Paul enlarges and says, here was the gospel that he died for our sins. He was buried and he was raised on the third day. And so most of the messages in Acts really concentrate on the resurrection. And with the resurrection, they include again and again his coming judgment as well. So his sacrifice and humility, but then we proclaim this amazing paradox that the one who died as a criminal by this shameful, abominable death of crucifixion from the Roman Empire and was made so bloody you could even recognize that he's a human being. He is the one that was rewarded with the rule of the earth. That is astounding. He is the one who rules all things. And he, this one who hung on a cross, he is our judge. Proclaiming the beauty, the excellencies of Christ. 
with some kind of sense of praise ourselves, even as we talk about it. We're not trying to, I mean, we hope we will convince, but we're, we're mainly just saying, here's the story. Here's what happened. Uh, it's, it's what one of our quotes, the gospel is the story of actions by which the human situation is irreversibly changed. These actions by God where all of human history changed. That's what we're telling others. And so Paul can say it's the gospel of the glory of Christ in 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. That's what the gospel is. It's the good news of the majesty and the beauty of Jesus Christ. Or in Ephesians 3.8, maybe my favorite, he says, I preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. So brothers and sisters, we want our, our message, our talking about God to be rich with Christ. Invite people to read with us about Christ or maybe study the Bible with us about Christ. Put Christ out there. Put his glory, what God did in coming in Christ. Put that before people. That's what they must hear. That's what Philip did with the Ethiopian eunuch. And they went down into the water, likely in the desert. It probably was a shallow stream. They both go down. We think that he was poured or sprinkled, and they both come out of the water. And this man belonged to the people of God. This eunuch in that foreign place. And so here's what we get to do. Paul describes it in a beautiful way in 2 Corinthians 2. He says, through us, he's spreading the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ everywhere. In our words, in our lives, just think of yourself as being this wonderful fragrance of Christ. Fragrance is not me, it's Christ. And he even says that as we speak of Christ and make him known, we're an aroma to God. However people respond, they may reject us, they may hate us. That didn't change the fact that God smells the aroma of his son from us as we speak of him, as we live like him. The aroma of Christ. That's what we're about. As Paul says to slaves in Titus, adorn the doctrine of our God. You see, make it beautiful by the way you show forth the very love of this gospel to other people. How needed is that at this time? So, Brothers and sisters, the Lord is on the move. Let us give ourselves up to his will. Let us be a part of making Christ known. Let us be this fragrance, this aroma in this world. What a calling. What a glory we have to be a part of this by God's grace. And as we trust him and cry out to him, he will make it so. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, we thank you that you have called us to yourself, called us out of darkness, called us out of our own rebellion and hatred against you to belong to you and now even to make you known. We who were your enemies, now your children, now your messengers. Oh, Lord, thank you for such a high calling. Give us grace to be enthusiastic, to be joyful with the privilege we have of making known your excellencies 
in this world. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.